Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet, subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Also do that while you're here. Okay, let's get into it. West Virginia has formally replaced Bob Huggins, who was forced into retirement earlier this month. The Mountaineers' new interim coach is uh, Josh Eilert. He's been on staff at West Virginia in one role or another uh, since 2007, but he's only been a full-time assistant since July 2022. That's a big jump. Dobo in 2022, interim head coach in 2023 at a Big 12 program. Deadleg, what'd you make of Ren Baker's decision to pass on Hiring a full-time head coach now and instead promote uh, a staff member to the interim position. Man, your backdrops are just changing by the show, by the way. One after another after another. Looking good behind you in the Grind City Media Studio there. Thanks to everyone for joining us on YouTube there. Um, The hire, uh, not surprising on my end, but um, I was was tracking it. All right, so so Huggins resigns in disgrace, forced into retirement. And then the West Virginia come, job comes open and it's, you know, it's it's not an opportune time uh, to have a, a gig like this come open. Now, a few years back under different circumstances, a bit earlier in the month, you'll recall when Thad Mata stepped down at Ohio State and then the Buckeyes were able to pluck Chris Holtman from Butler. Um so, you know, we have seen a power conference program be able to adapt and adjust and get a head coach in place from uh, a power conference school in that situation. West Virginia is a little bit different. Also, isn't a job that's held in quite the same esteem as the Ohio State job. But when I looked around at sitting power conference coaches who would a genuinely entertain being interviewed at West Virginia and going and coaching there and B having the credentials to even be considered for that. The the, the list was actually extremely low. Um, So that alone narrowed the pool. Now the AD did interview a number of candidates, most of them over zoom. Uh, I was told that Eilert was one of three finalists. And once it got down to three, he was considered the favorite and he did end up, winning out. There's a few different factors at play here. Um, there was some John Beeline noise. I do believe John Beeline was contacted about this job. He's 70 years old. He's no longer even employed by the Pistons, as far as I know. And 
was the most accomplished coach that could have been considered for this. But for one reason or another, that did that did not happen. Um, and, you know, had he been hired, uh, would he have been a, a one year option or, or you know, I presume he would have wanted to, to get back in all the way. But the sport is different now than it was four years ago when he left. So I'm not surprised that it didn't happen. The beeline route. Andy Kennedy also uh, was interviewed um, multiple times, as I understand it, uh, the UAB coach and obviously someone with Huggins connections and uh no question there were probably people on opposite ends of uh, of that debate as to whether or not Andy Kennedy should have been the guy to replace Bob Huggins right now considering his Huggins connections and, and I think an understandable desire that at some point even though Eilert literally is there because of Huggins he came over with him from from Kansas State where Eilert graduated from and uh is an extension of that at some point, Ren Baker is going to want to make a full-time hire here and kind of start anew. He just got to West Virginia in November of last year. The job itself is, it is a good job. It is. I, I don't think it's a top 25 job in the country, but it's somewhere around there. Like, it's relatively close. And apparently the players did want Eiler, and that's not an incon- insignificant part of this. Now, should an athletic director operate under the uh, wants and desires of, of a roster? No, no, no it's he should not for sure. But I think the timing of this is really is is relatively important with all this because they were losing players in the portal. Now, uh, Trey Mitchell is in the portal and he's believed to be gone for good. There is some rumors that he might wind up going to Kentucky. We will actually wind up seeing if that is true or if not. Joe Toussaint, who was on the roster last season, he's in the portal. We don't know if he's going to walk back his decision, but Kirk Creesa the Arizona transfer is going to walk back his decision. He went into the portal last week and then he announced on Sunday that he is going to return. So you will get Creesa back. Last thing that I'm sending it right back over to you, GP. Here's part of Ren Baker, the athletic director's statement. He said, quote, I spoke with knowledgeable basketball people around the country over the last week, including coaches, professional basketball executives, and others of whom I trust to identify a strong group of candidates to speak with. Ultimately, what I came to recognize was that conducting this search in late June was difficult for many of our candidates and also put our talented student-athletes at a real disadvantage. With that said, we will conduct our national search at the conclusion of the 2023-2024 season. So, Eilert comes aboard. We can get to him in just a second, obviously, but that is where it stands for West Virginia. It has its coach in place for next season. Now we wait and see if it can actually do some portal damage, although I believe literally as we starting this podcast, I think another player, a role player, actually has gone into the portal for West Virginia. So the roster attrition seemingly continues. I guess when I say no, you should not care what the players want when you're trying to hire a coach. Uh, I mean, without few exceptions. I actually think coincidentally, the last time Bob Huggins left a job at Kansas State, they had Michael Beasley committed, who was, you know, a a consensus top five player in his high school class, ended up being the best freshman in the country. I think if you are put in that position where if we promote from within, we get Michael Beasley. If we don't, we don't. Then maybe promote from within. If you've got, let's just say, if for whatever reason, Bill Self had to retire today. And at Kansas, it's like, you've got the preseason number one team in the country. If you just promote from within right now and you'll keep this roster intact or you go elsewhere and it might not, I would promote from within and keep the roster intact because the roster is national championship 
good enough. At West Virginia, I, I think they've got a you know a possible NCAA tournament team, but not a preseason top twenty-five team. And I wouldn't care too much what that team wants or desires. Uh, I'd be trying to do what's best for my program. And if we keep the team together, great. If we don't, who cares? It's not like it was a Final Four team anyway, at least on paper. So, from my perspective, I hope that this wasn't done to get. Uh, you know, Kirk Creesa to return to school because th- that's not a big enough of a big enough reason to promote from within. I, I hope the motivation here and Ren's a smart guy. I've known him for years. I, I, I'm, I'm sure he'll he'll get this right uh, when it's time to make a full time hire in March. But I hope the motivation here is a little bit like when NBA teams approach the trade deadline. You know, th- let's say there's an NBA team right now thinking about trading somebody um, who's meaningful, but they have determined, you know what? Whatever package we can get for this player now, it'll be a better package as we as we get closer to the trade deadline. So we're just going to wait and slow play this and make sure we maximize what we're doing at a later date. And it feels like this might be some of that. I I I I, I trust that Ren has reached the decision after going through you know in, interviews here or there over Zoom. I can hire a better caliber of coach in March than I can in June. And so we'll just promote from within, have an interim. Sure, give Josh an opportunity to earn the job like you do every interim. But ultimately, I just believe that I'll be able to hire a different – there are coaches out there who will take my job in March who just can't do it right now, won't do it right now. So let's just wait till March and have more of a traditional search. It feels like that's what this is closer to. And if so, I, I understand it. I, I feel like it might be a blend here where I think Baker got to a point because I was told that a search firm was hired. The search firm reached out to candidates across the country um, and basically got a feel of like, all right, would you even take the interview at this time of the year? And, you know, uh, there were some yeses, but there were a lot of no's. And, uh, you know, head coaches are already like they have their rosters for next season. Now, granted, what again, if this was the Kansas job that changed it, West Virginia is not the Kansas job to use your hypothetical GP. Um, and so with that, like they got, they got, you know, some, I think some established qualified mid-major guys to, to consider there. But uh, I think Baker eventually realized I'm just going to be in a better position if I need to make a full-time hire that's external next March to use a more varied candidate pool and, and probably a, a candidate pool that'll be more colorful in terms of actual guys that are under consideration versus now because another season's worth of evidence is going to provide um, some new names that might not be under consideration now. But also, uh, make no mistake, like there has been roster... I mean, that roster has been assailed with uncertainty since the Huggins thing. I mean, you know, there were... There were reports out there that a, a few players had to be convinced just hold off. Don't go into the portal yet until this decision is actually made. I think Jesse Edwards, the, the transfer from Syracuse, is another one of those players. Now, he is still on the roster... And getting Eilert there is is enough. But, you know, Eilert wins out over even the likes of Ron Everhart, who's a former D1 head coach, like coached in multiple places, a veteran guy. Eilert was an assistant last year. Prior to that, he was the Dobo. And prior to that, he was the video coordinator. So um, obviously beloved by the players and, and beloved in that area and in that program. But you have a, a situation here where the guy that's actually promoted to be the coach not only has no head coaching experience, but from technically has only spent one year in a true coaching capacity. And now he's coaching Parrish. He's coaching at a power conference level with a roster that, 
you know, at its full strength. And now it's not that. Now it's lost guys to the portal. But as the roster was constructed, you know, a week ago, that to me was an NCAA tournament roster. And Eilert getting the job, um, certainly fascinating. I don't know what to, I don't, I honestly don't know what to expect with West Virginia. Um, Maybe he makes this work. Maybe it doesn't. We don't. We don't have any idea. We've never seen Josh Eiler coach. I wish him the best. Hopefully, he can get the roster situation figured out. And you know, to anyone listening to this podcast on Monday afternoon, evening, or Tuesday afternoon, there hasn't been another player or two from West Virginia that's gone into the portal. We'll have to wait and see on that. But um, we've seen who was it? Isaac Brown got them. You know, he wasn't projected to be the Wichita State coach, and then he got the job, and now they've moved on since then. Rodney Terry who did have head coaching experience was took the job under very unexpected circumstances at Texas. He's now won the job and is preparing to have his first true season as the full-time chief there down at Texas. And so we'll see on that. Eilert doesn't have the kind of experience that those guys did. Um, So it will be, uh, it will be fascinating and go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, he became a full-time assistant in July 2022, which means in June 2022, a year ago, he was the Dobo. Has anybody ever gone from Dobo to power conference head coach inside I of a year? I thought about this when I was writing the story. I, I don't I don't think so. I, I don't. That fast. I mean, imagine you were, it wasn't you, like he was assistant did a couple of years of still, but we're talking. Uh, he did not have an assistance post. Now he could have had an assistance post probably five years prior to that at a mid major, but he stuck with Huggins the whole time, and he's at a power conference school. But I, th- this is quite literally within a twelve months time, j- going from director of basketball operations, which is a big job. It's just not. A, it's not a. It's not a coaching position traditionally speaking. No, no, you schedule that. games. Hey, well, you do more than that. You. You do that. There's the variety. Listen, Dobos are the are the lifeblood of a program. I don't want to downplay. I'm sure. No, no, I just our Dobo listenership is through the roof, Parish. Okay, let. But I know I what you're love saying. Dobos. What are you talking about? I'm just <laughs> okay. saying that is part of the job. You schedule games. All right, people are saying Dobo in the chat. What's that? Dobo stands for Director of Basketball Operations. You handle a lot of the logistics that come with running a program, and they, they no joke. They they do a ton, a ton of work to actually um, keep the wheels greased and, and, and keep the machines going there. But to make that jump in a year's time and he's it's the Big 12, you know, he, you got Houston coming to league. You got Kansas national title contender going in. You got Scott Drew in this league. It's the, been the best league, you know, what, five of the past six years or whatnot at, at Ken Palm right now. Uh, Iowa State should be good again. Um, Oklahoma will be improved. Texas is going to be there. Kansas State's coming off the first amazing year with Jerome Tang. Um, hell, I don't know. TCU is going to be good again. He's stepping into a lion's den, man. In addition to just, we'll see what BYU and Cincinnati and UCF are, but the Big 12 is going to be loaded up. And now you t- it's a wonderful opportunity. I mean, it's an incredible opportunity, but because he does not have coaching experience, it is fair to step back and say, wait a second. Like the West Virginia go from practical projected NCAA tournament team anywhere in that, you know, six to 11 seed range. We'll see. They were a nine last season under Huggins. Now you lose a hall of fame coach. The rest of the staff stays on have has the bar been dropped significantly. And if you want to make that case, I think it's fair. Of course, adding on to the roster issues they have right now with the portal. Yeah, it, it's a fascinating situation. Like it's an opportunity of a lifetime as you, or, or it could be a nightmare. I mean, yeah. Hey, you were a Dobo a year ago today. 
now you're a head coach of a Big 12 program in a league with Bill Self, Kelvin Sampson, Scott Drew. You know, like you noted accurately, and this should just be a part of the description of every podcast. We don't know. You know, you know, we'll see. Who was Brad Stevens before he was Brad Stevens? You know? Uh, Josh Eilert could be the next Brad Stevens. You heard it from GP first. What if Josh Eilert is the next Brad Stevens? I don't think people are talking about that enough. People, people don't realize that we're going to look up eight years from now, and Josh Eilert's he, he's going to be running the Boston Celtics. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all right. So this is just a stepping stone to Boston is what I'm trying to say. No, I have no idea. I just know that it is an if not an unprecedented jump from one job to the next, it is a highly unusual jump from one job to the next. And so it'll be one of the neat storylines to follow in the Big 12. Like, you know, can he uh do enough to to get West Virginia in the NCAA tournament. And if so, is that, can he do enough in addition to that to, to, you know, make himself a legitimate candidate for the full-time job when, when Wren, you know, sets out on a path to, to try to make that higher as always we'll see, but it'll be fascinating to watch for sure. Agreed. Last thing on this, and we can move on to the next topic. Um, you know, Huggins is still going to, as far as I could tell, and as far as I know, I mean, he's from Morgantown. He's going to continue to be in the area. And there are a lot of people tied into that program around that university boosters who are, they are Huggins guys for life. And so um, there, it, I think there were some uh, disagreements and, and hearty debates in the past week about who should be the person to take over this program. Should it be interim? Should it be full-time? And moving forward, we'll see how this thing goes with Eilert. But if it goes well and he wins the job, he wins the job. But if he doesn't, um, the idea of, of really just cutting those ties and starting anew, it's just uh, it's something to, to monitor in the background as we move toward next season because I think that will also be a part of the process there. Ren Baker's going to have a very interesting decision to make next year. And just to hammer home the point about maybe you can get a better caliber coach um, uh, one you prefer more in March as opposed to now I, I let, let me be very clear I do not believe Dusty May is going to be the next West Virginia coach but right. my point is this uh, because I think if Dusty has a good season this season f- respectfully I think he'll be able to get a better job than the West Virginia job uh, come March but like and again I don't want to speak for Dusty but if, if I'm Dusty May right now and Rin Baker calls me I don't even like I take the call because I take the call because it's Ren, but I'm like, eh, you know, I've got a preseason top 10 team. Uh, I'm a favorite to win my league. I'm a, I'm going to, I'm not walking away. I just told my whole locker room, don't right. walk away from this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't now walk away from this. So uh, I appreciate you calling. I'm not- Mace, he'll turn that. No one saw coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, Hey everybody. I'm out. I appreciate you guys staying loyal when everybody was throwing NIL money at you so that we could maybe take a run at another Final Four. But I, you know, but uh, I got to go to West Virginia, country homes and blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I don't country think homes take me roads. There we go. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? <laughs> country homes. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I don't think you, he won't even take your call now. There's a scenario where let's just say Florida Atlantic. Uh, finishes second in the AAC, goes to the tournament, gets bounced in the first round. Maybe then he will take your call, you know? So that that's the, that's yeah. the, that would be the thought press behind it. Guys won't take my call today, but they might take my call in March. So I'll just wait till March to call them. I, I dig it. All right, let's uh, let's talk about let's talk, we, Country we never talk about Alabama on this podcast. Can we do that now? Oh yeah. Uh, Alabama's back in the news, former five-star recruit, a key player. 
for two recent SEC championship winning teams. He's going to transfer. He's going to be a graduate transfer. It's Javon Quinterly. We'll talk about that next. First, a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Javon Quinterly has announced he's going to be a t- graduate transfer. He posted in, in honor of Norlander, he posted a 22-minute read on social media. <laughs> that was another one of those, man. Uh, it was like I saw somebody tweet. It was like, Javon Quinterly has released a statement. I looked at it, and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't need to know what that says. <laughs> I, I, gather, I gather he's leaving Alabama. I don't need to know anything else. <laughs> But Javon Quinterly's available, Norlander. Yes. Tell me something been, about it. Uh, I'm still reeling from country, country homes. <laughs> country homes. Uh, you know. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know how what much if, you knew that. <laughs> what if Dusty May does end up as the West Virginia coach and then as he accepts the job? Just uh, country uh, homes. It's good to be here. Country house by Blur. It's a, it's a banger. Look it up if you're unfamiliar. Um, all right. So so Javon Quinley, he's going to leave Alabama. We can hit that if you want. Like Bama's in the, you know, Bama's waiting for Grant Nelson to officially announce that he's transferring there. All indications that's going to happen. It's just been it's been held up for weeks now. Um, but uh, Grant Nelson, the uh, the big time transfer from North Dakota State coming in. And, you know, Alabama got Mark Sears back, um, has a solid class coming in, just had Miller obviously drafted. Noah Clowney was a first round pick. Betty Ako actually he committed after two. Uh, he committed to the draft after two years. He went undrafted, the seven footer there. Um, so there's a lot of intrigue with Alabama in terms of uh, if you if you've got reason to believe that you should be high on the tide again to be a top ten ish kind of team. Okay, I'll hear you. But if you actually want to fade him and say I don't know about this, um, might not uh, might not see them as a top twenty five group. I actually think there's a lot of room for debate on them. Quinterly who has been in college so long. Remember, he was a, a minor piece in the, the FBI investigation into bribery and fraud in college basketball. That was back when he was a recruit way back when and was connected to Villanova. He, of course, played at Villanova for one year and then sat out and played the past three seasons at Alabama. Um, I'm looking at this now. He was born November 25 of 98. He is 25. Old- He'll He's be 25. Be 25 in college hoops next season. We've obviously seen a, a bit of this um, occasionally because of the COVID bonus year, and Quinterly's taking advantage of that. Question is, should this be the state of affairs in, in men's college basketball? Because I have talked with uh, a number of coaches about this in the past. Just 
coincidentally enough, it's really not a coincidence because this is what Quinterly has done here is a worry for coaches across the country. And that specifically is Quinterly has his, his undergrad degree. He's, he's a graduate student. And so the portal deadline does not apply to graduate students because you can choose to go and apply to a grad school anywhere and enroll right up until, you know, August slash September, depending on which school you're actually talking about there. So you are not privy to the same deadlines. And so because of this, and when you consider College basketball coaches like accomplished players, like older players, you know, they tend to be more, more mature. They tend to, they tend to, they tend to get the picture of what this whole deal about playing college hoops at, a, at the division one level is all about. They covet those guys, but across the country, there are coaches that are like, I got a grad student or two or three on my team. They can up and leave me in mid-August, and there's nothing I can do about it. And then that obviously throws your roster into real chaos there. Mm-hmm. And I perish. Mm. Should this rule change? Can it change? This isn't, under, this isn't an undergrad thing, but um, I do hear both sides of this. Like, at a certain point, you would like to believe that if you got to the start of summer, summer just started a few days ago, like, if you, if whoever is committed to your roster barring, you know, catastrophe for the unforeseen, like they stick with it. No, just like, ah, I'm going to put my name in the portal, but you're a grad transfer. Like you are free to kind of go where you want to go. Quinterly has done this and in doing so like Alabama is a, is not as good of a team without him as it, as it would be with him. I think Quinterly had a chance. Dude, it's going to be 25 with this much experience. He could easily could easily be, you know, a top 20 player in the sport next season. But then again, he is taking on a risk himself. Like he is going to leave, go to another program. And, and in doing so, you know, change the alchemy of that roster, which has already gotten together for summer courses. And, you know, he is taking on some risk himself. What do you, what do you make of the whole situation here? Okay. I acknowledge upfront that it is, it can complicate things for a, a, a head coach. Alabama has a worse roster today than it had yesterday. And it's late June. That's not ideal. I acknowledge that, right? We, I concede the point. Now let me ask you some questions. Could Nate Oates leave for another job today if he wanted to? Of course. Could he leave for the West Virginia job if he wanted to, but that didn't happen. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? Could Alabama decide it wants to make a coaching change today if it wanted to? Yeah. So then why do I care if a basketball player can do the exact same thing that a coach or university can do? Yeah. I, I just keep it that simple. I know it's, it's, it, it sucks um, for a program if you're on the wrong side of this. I know that it can be frustrating. I know that it complicates your job. I concede all of those points. But as long as um, we are living in a world where if a university wanted to fire a coach in late June, it could. If another coach wanted to change jobs in late June, he could. I don't have any problem with a student athlete changing schools in late June. Um, which is exactly what Javon Quinterly is going to do. I'm fine with it. Yeah, he's entitled to do it, and I, I don't have an issue with him doing it. I just, I admit, and you probably agree, it's just not the, it's not a great thing for college hoops to to have this. And we don't, it's, listen, there hasn't been a string of this happening, but I actually, I don't think Quinterly will be the last. I think that we will see more students who are graduate transfers between now and, and the start of the fall semester, you know, they aren't going to be probably as lauded as Quinterly, but I actually think we will we will see more of this. And uh, yeah, it, it is it is a point of, of concern for coaches who just from their angle of it, 
And this isn't wrong, by the way. Like they they go through this offseason where they got to try to keep the roster, obviously continuing to recruit high school players uh, and do all the other stuff that comes with it. And then you get to, all right, the players come back for summer session, which graduate students don't have to do because they're not in class. They have finished their undergrad degrees. They're not going to these summer classes. That's the other part of it where you are trying to build the chemistry and the camaraderie and, you know, go and do the team retreats and the, the, the cookouts at the coaches' houses and the trust falls in the backyard. And you're doing all that stuff now so that when you get to the middle of January and you have a crappy, you know, run five, seven days in a row, well, at least you've established and built this foundation in June, July, August that can help you, you know, kind of persevere and push through. So that's, that's the lens in which a lot of coaches look at this thing through. And when you have a player that's a graduate uh, student, and is highly accomplished, and that player looks around and says, you know what, I don't want to be here anymore, that decision can have real reverberations of negative effect on the rest of your roster. And it's, it's, it's a part of the process now that was not there for the majority of you know, the past X number of years or for as long as we've been doing this. And so now it's just, it's just another thing that, that is adding to roster uncertainty and, and chaos with all of this within the sport. And that's probably not a good thing, but... If you've gotten your degree, I, you know, to me, it's actually a hell of a, a carrot to dangle. And I'm sure there will be coaches that try and institute some sort of deadline on this. And if you did, I, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, greatly oppose it, to be honest. But if you have completed your degree and you have the opportunity to pursue to pursue higher education and you could be cynical about that or not, but if you're going to go pursue higher education and try and get your grad degree or at least enroll in a place that allows you to do that and you want to pick somewhere else then you should be entitled to do that. Now, for some players, that's going to literally mean that they're going to a third school, if not a fourth school. But for some guys, it might mean that they're going to their second school. And so um, that's just the way that it is here. Quinterly's probably going to be the most high-profile player to do it. Alabama gets downgraded because of it. But uh, I don't really have a too huge of an issue while also acknowledging, you know, I wish it wasn't this way, but that's just the way the world now, man. That's just it. Yeah, I don't care too much about trust falls and all that stuff. I like I get it. Like, hey, we've spent the whole offseason building for this moment, and then boom, just like that, we've lost a player and it it throws a wrench into everything. I, I get it again, but I don't know. I've seen coaches literally for years recruit players and um and g- secure commitments, get them to turn down other opportunities. Um, their parents buy gear with the school on it. They're posting it on Instagram. They've been committed for two years. They can't wait to get to this school to go play for this coach. And then, boom, coach takes another job just like that. And, like, do we think they're the worst people in the world for doing it? Or do we understand? Mm-hmm. We understand. We go, hey, you know, the, you're presented with this opportunity. It's too good to pass up. You, you, you decided. And so now you're, you know, you're allowed to leave if you want to. And so now you're doing it, and everybody else will just have to adjust. That's what we ask people to do when coaches move. And so that's what I'll ask coaches to do when players move. Like I, I, everything you said is true. I just hear it and I go, yeah, okay, but it's fine with me. I, 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 a university can fire a coach today if it wants to. And we don't blink. A coach can change jobs today. If we, if he wants to, and we don't blink, I'm not going to blink when players change uh, schools today. Like if, if Andy Kennedy would have taken the West Virginia job, would Mm -hmm. you have thought, what, what would you have said about it? (laughs) 
<laughs> would you have said he screwed UAB? Would you have said I can't? Believe I, you know what? On some level, yes. Yeah, I would have believed that. Yes. And now, if he took it, he took it. That's fine. And and you know what? Every player actually, if that would have happened, all the players at UAB's roster would have been granted an exception to be able to transfer because that's now in play. That policy is now in place. But yes, I would have actually said he is screwing UAB if he had. I, I would not have. I would have said he. Well, I mean, uh, he would have been. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying I would have posted no, like, like, a better job. What if you were offered a, what if you were contra- you, there was an out of your contract right now and you got offered a way better job than the job you have right now? If you left, would I be able to say you screwed CBS or I would or, or would I just say, man, my friend Matt got this incredible opportunity sort of popped out of nowhere and he wasn't looking to leave, but he couldn't pass it up. That's what yeah. I would say. About well, you. Two things can be well, uh, dynamics aren't exactly the same there, but two things can be true at once. Like he can do that. But at the same time, like. He would, under, if that had actually happened, if Andy Kennedy had left and taken the West Virginia job, like he would have been screwing over the, the university. I, 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 we don't need to drag this out, but I just don't think when you are simply doing the right thing for yourself, you're, and if it has a negative impact on somebody else, I don't think that means you're screwing somebody else. It just means you're, you just, hey, I, I, I thought I was going to continue doing this job. And then this other thing just popped, you know, like out of nowhere. And I, and I couldn't pass it up. It was way more money, a way bigger opportunity. I, I, I don't think that's screwing UAB. I, I would just think that's it's unfortunate for UAB, but nobody's screwing anybody. All right. Hashtag blaze on, I guess. So clearly had 8.7 points, 3.6 assists last season. Shot 40, 40.2% from the field, 36% from three-point range. He's a good player. Um, he the stat line doesn't really truly show his overall value. He certainly has has his flaws. He would be he would, he would have left college by now if he was uh, if he was that capable of playing at the next level. But um, I think a player of his stature is going to be highly coveted. It'll be it'll be interesting to see who gets him and where where he lands up. Fortunately, Alabama is not exactly hurting for guards, so there is enough there. But in my opinion, he was going to be their best player next season. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, let's uh, move on. Before we get out of here, uh, some other news from the past few days. Former LSU and uh, current McNeese State men's basketball coach Will Wade uh, got hit with a two-year show calls order and a 10-game suspension for three level one violations the IARP has announced. Uh, it, it was found that Will um, made impermissible payments to the former fiancé of a player while also failing to cooperate in the investigation and failing to promote an atmosphere of compliance. What'd you make of Will Wade's punishment? Yeah, this came out the day of the draft. Uh, amazing timing by the, uh, by the IRP. Um, great stuff, guys. Really appreciate, really appreciate that. Um, this was such a huge deal 
at the time that I didn't want to not mention it, even though it's a few days removed here. So Will Wade is going to have a 10-game suspension to start next season. Remember, he he got hired at McNeese State and th- this past spring. The next day, they said, oh, by the way, we're going to suspend this dude for five games. If, if <laughs> Amazing move, just an all-timer. Now that suspension gets doubled. He is on a two-year show cause, but the, there are two kinds of show causes. There's the show cause that is all-encompassing, in the world of college athletics, if you were going to hire this person, you need to show cause why they should actually be working in college athletics. That's not Will Wage's Will Wage show cause. The other type of show cause is specific to particular duties or behaviors. Now, Will Wade was already hired by McNeese State. So what the IRP, the Independent Resolution Panel, decided here was we are going to put restrictions on his recruiting for the next two years. And so he has a two-year show cause in recruiting where there can't be off-campus recruiting by Will Wade Dunn for the next two years in the April or summer evaluation periods. There are official visits that get reduced. Um, but the recruiting aspect as it pertains to anything transfer-related doesn't apply whatsoever. So it is somewhat narrow in scope. Um, and the investigation did not turn up enough credible evidence to ding Will Wade for the thing that he most got notoriety for. And that was the quote, strong ass offer unquote, where he got caught on wiretap and that wiretap was eventually played in the HBO documentary, the scheme, which came out a few years ago where he was talking about Javante smart and the strong ass offer. And the IRP actually determined that the offer in question there was a paid position on the staff for one of Smart's relatives, as opposed to just straight up money. Now, we're not going to keep our head in the sand on that, but Will Wade got over. Uh, so um, congrats to him. I mean, it, when all of this stuff about Wade came out, there were no shortage of people that believed that eventually it would be a significant, and by significant, I'm talking like minimum five-year show cause for Will Wade. He wound up coaching at LSU for multiple years after that, only got fired once officially the notice of allegations came in in 2022. So he did lose a power conference job because of that and did eventually lose the opportunity to make millions upon millions of dollars. So he has been dinged for this, but he's coaching Division One Now, his penance is McNeese State. Okay, right. Dude's coaching at, He's coaching at McNeese State. If you ask me right now if Will Wade wants to be coaching at McNeese State, I'm going to tell you the answer is no, but he's going to take whatever opportunity he can get. So he is at McNeese State. We'll have a 10 game suspension has a two year show cause on recruiting. And um, this to me signals that uh, officially now officially unofficial um, Kansas is the only one left. Bill self has is facing similar yet different charges within his program, the amount of level one violations. And so the potential, and that should come down before the season, the potential for bill self to also have an extended suspension would not surprise me. But if you're a Kansas fan, you were waiting on the LSU stuff you can finally breathe easy. It just doesn't appear that there should be much reason to believe that they're going to get anything really harsher than what LSU got here. And we'll wait. A lot of the LSU stuff was retroactive and already applied. Yeah, I don't have much on this. Um, I, I guess there would have been a time where I would have argued, how can you give Will Wade a two-year show cause when Donnie Tindall got 10? He right, did, man. He got 10-year show cause. Ten, it's still going on. I would have been going on forever. Yeah. Um, so I guess, but I think you got it right. Like will has already paid a price for this. He lost 
the LSU job. And I know he lost it years after some people thought he, he should have. Yeah, he, he kept it, though. Come on now. He kept it, he kept it for a while. He made mil- I remember like like the first week his name got dragged into this, somebody told me that the, his goal is now not to be the LSU coach 10 years from now. It's to stay the LSU coach as long as he can stay it and keep because those direct deposits every two weeks are big. So just keep getting they'll never be able to get that money back. So just get keep getting the direct deposits for as long as you can. And he was able to do that for a not insignificant period of time, made literally millions of dollars while holding on for to the LSU job. And then as soon as the if I remember correctly, as soon as the actual notice of allegations like came down, it was, was like, it, it was it like was, five days later, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was over. Right. So um, he, he smart played that and made millions of dollars while doing it. But he is now the head coach. He was the head coach at LSU. He's now the head coach at a place that finished 335th at Ken Palm last season. That, that's punishment. <laughs> I'm, I'm OK. If you want to argue a guy who allegedly did what he allegedly did, shouldn't be coaching Division one men's basketball fine i won't even try to argue with you i'm not i'm not interested in the argument i get it i hear you i just think this will be the last time we talk about will wade on a podcast perhaps never never. but you know what i actually like this i like that this is punishment you know what you break the rules to this level you go you coach mcneese state that actually (laughs) feels like you know what i I feel yeah Yeah. hey hey, but i wanted to you know i made millions i was thinking about just like retiring and like spending time with my family and playing golf no you have a two-year show calls order You'll, and you have to coach McNeese State. You, he's in Shawshank right now. He's in coaching Shawshank. That's what, what if we is. find out that is part of the punishment? Like the only reason he took the McNeese State job is because if he wouldn't have taken it, they would have hit him with a 10-year show cost. <laughs> hey, there you they go. Said, they said you could either – okay, we'll negotiate with you. You could do a two-year show cost and be the head coach at McNeese State or a 10-year show cost. He's like, shit, I guess I'll do McNeese State. I guess. I guess I'll go coach McNeese State. Yeah, you over under one point five. Oh, I say, I say, this is maybe the last time we'll we'll talk about Will Wade on the podcast. You know what? No, because he'll be an he'll be an SEC. He'll he'll be a Big Twelve coach okay. at some point. Okay, maybe so, he's the next guy at West Virginia. Yeah, he'll be West Virginia's coach in March. All right, the joke's on us. Oh man! All right, go uh, go prepare to do your do your Monday show, the Gary Parish Show on YouTube. If you're unfamiliar, go find it. Thank you. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Hawk and Larnell. Thank you guys once again for watching and listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. That should be reflected in the comments. So go knock that out. I appreciate you. We'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.